And take three, Dylan, what is it like on the road? It's good. End of podcast. <laughs> right. There we go. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Machination Log. The vibes were chill the first time, and the second time we got interrupted so early, we just decided to scrap it, and now here we are. Dylan, on a daydreaming podcast that I've now referred to way too many times for it to feel natural, um, you said that you would never go on the road because you would hate it after like two to four. 15 weeks and uh that turned out not to be true in a really important way that may shape the rest of your life and now i want you to expound on that i was under the impression that things wouldn't change as much as they do traveling i thought for some reason i thought that everywhere was just a slightly different florida and that's just not the case it turns out no there are places that are hey it gets better than florida guys (gasps) That's, I'm not. I would go so, so somebody actually did ask me this on the road. What's the scuzziest place you've been to so far? Not the best. What's the, what's the like least trustworthy? What's, what's the place you haven't enjoyed the most? And it was towards the end of the years. I think the third to last fair I did. And I took a, a full catalog in my head of like the overall interactions that I've had with people. And it wasn't until the last fair that I now realized that that place is North Carolina. But it was before that. Uh, it was Florida. So, Scuzzy, like, ugh, fucking North Carolina's. I'm sorry, folks. They have some good people there, but they, they also got a got, lot of nice trees. They got some nice trees and some unpleasant. Oh, oof. Ooh. In, a, in a stiff short list, North Carolina has the most audacious billboards I've ever seen. Yes. On average. Holy shit. Wow, the billboards they got there. They got some, and anyone who lives in Florida will understand what what an achievement that is. Yeah, wow. It takes a lot, but they got them. Yeah. Well, and, and in repetition, too. They really hammer them in. There's some <laughs> deep money going in on these billboards. Uh, so, Dylan, you waited until now to start on the road. Why did it take you so long? I'm tempted to give answers that I haven't already given, uh, but really just it is the same way. Um, I wasn't as grown up. I mean, uh, I spent a lot of time, too much time in my hometown getting too comfortable. I didn't think that I would be able to do it fresh out of, you know, my parents' house. Like being on the road with, at the time I wasn't dating anybody. So like, Having nothing to really come back to while being out on the road, I feel would have kind of cycled me into an unhealthy space. But after having the year on my own, getting on my two feet, getting into a relationship, it kind of put me in the state of confidence to realize, like, I'm I'm a self-sufficient person and I can make this work. Um, it's just weird because the the reason why the reason why that puzzles me is that that's the reverse of how it normally happens. Usually people hit a low. (laughs) Yeah. They hit a low and then say they have nothing, nothing to lose essentially. And you ended up doing it the other way around where your stability permitted you to expend the risk of travel. It, I feel like it's easier to make risks when the loss is low, the gain is high and you, if you did take that loss, you wouldn't lose out too bad. Well, that's that's the thing. Your losses were 
your losses were higher than they had ever been based on what I, I mean, your air I mean, master yeah. job was stable. Yeah. I, I did give up a stable job and a new relationship and I didn't give up the relationship. It yeah. Just, the relationship, it yeah, worked out. It worked out great. But, but it could have not, it, that could have absolutely been. Yeah. Distance, distance has been a killer for relationships for me. Um, very popularly so. That, yeah. That happens all the time. Yeah. I'm very thankful that me and the person I'm dating did keep things. I mean, the reason we're starting for the third time is because they called me and I wanted to talk to them really bad. Yeah. So. Yeah. And this, this all worked out and it just, again, like it, it's so weird that it's backwards. I mean, in some ways that, that makes sense because there's a difference between the stability that I'm talking about, which is the, um, which is moving from lower middle to upper middle class. You know, the, the difference between, between being comfortable and being stable. Um, yeah. Whereas in your case, it was it, it was a little more fraught than that from basically college until you got that. I think the situation that you're hearkening to is the the bottom that a lot of people hit involves a lot of chaos. My my life hasn't been like fraught with too much chaos. It's mostly been dull, mundane comfort. It's just full of bullshit. Yeah, just kind of yeah yeah. Just get yeah. What are you doing? Um, the uncomfortable situations that I try to slingshot out of are kind of falling into, uh, monotonous trends. I know that was the thing that I caught on with that airmaster job was I was going and doing these same motions in such an unfulfilling way that I didn't see my life changing into anything. It was the lack of spontaneity that was kind of driving me nuts um did that actually give you momentum to switch to a yes, gig job absolutely okay. all right um even though the initial um noise of the fairs the excitement of everything um i wouldn't say lured me into it it was very stressful but it was a it was a hammering stressfulness that kind of shaped me um i i, th- I think i needed to be a little harder on myself in in a safe environment and i wouldn't say that fairs are especially safe environments uh, <laughs> well the rides are uh the people aren't the, the the people who come to fairs are the least safe encounter i've probably had in my life um but i kind of needed that i needed to to get a little uncomfortable to see where i needed to work on aspects of my personality where I needed to set boundaries with people, uh, how to say no just abruptly to folks. Um, at the beginning of this, I would have not said, I would have said yes to anybody who sat in my chair and had a request for me. And I remember doing that. Yeah. Because this, this isn't the first time you've done caricatures even. Yeah. But I came the, the, the speed of caricatures that I was doing before it was like, oh, somebody wants to be drawn. Yeah, I'll do whatever you want for even almost however much you want. Like I was willing to compromise. I just needed to get anything. And now that I know I can provide a decent product that people will line up, I had people straight up tell me, we're so ha- glad to finally draw with you. We've been waiting for an hour. I've never had that at SeaWorld. Nobody's ever had to wait for me for an hour. Um, so I, I very much feel legitimate in what I do. There's less of an imposter syndrome going on there. I've had other seasoned professionals, you know, give me the thumbs up of like, hey, you're doing pretty all right. Um, 
That's all those exposure bucks coming back. Yeah. To, to, I just, that's, that's the beautiful thing this has to pivot. So everyone in the artist community jokes about the being paid an exposure thing. You discovered the secret, it sounds like, over the last year behind the exposure phenomenon. On the internet, it's okay to be, um, it, it's okay to have more followers as a method of improving your traction. Like, it's not like that means nothing. But there is another element, particularly when no one actually knows who you are, um, yeah. which you have developed in that time. I could not have built my follower count on Instagram any greater than being a person on to someone's face. Um, there's no amount of money I could have spent on Facebook to promote my Instagram that would have... I mean, I haven't done it, so I, I could still reasonably compare. But just being out... Uh, across the country and having somebody sit down, see that I have my Instagram written on the back and go, oh yeah, I liked what you were doing before. I'm going to follow you right now. H having that grassroots approach. Um, I think I doubled my follower account this year. I, it, I went from four to 700 or something. It, it turns out that's a really common strategy still. If you look at virtually everybody who has a ton of followers in social media, Nothing beats shaking hands. Yeah, they generally didn't get them from the internet. They generally <laughs> do actually have external sources of influence. Yeah. Um, but that is, and it's funny, that, that's actually an interesting variant of the question I apparently poorly phrased there, uh, which was that you, um, people weren't looking you up on Instagram and then going to the fair. Yeah. You had to develop this reputation on the spot. Yeah. Um, and you did that by being confident yeah. because you have no other avenue to do it in that moment. Yeah. And there's, it's very hard to show a personality online compared to in real life. Um, or at least that's not a strong suit that I have. I don't, I'm, I'm not confident at portraying a personality online because I affiliate being on the internet with being anonymous. <laughs> Um, or at least being removed. There's still a step of the internet where I'm, I'm not, I don't want to put all of myself out there on the internet. You know, you're pre web 2.0. You, you, your attitude toward the web is not, is yeah. not quite as direct as say the Gen Z affiliation with online. I, I can't even comment on that. Like there are people, <laughs> there are people my age who have taken full advantage of the internet. And I mean, they're, artists that I know who like started drawing in college and now have big followings and make art for Twitch streamers. And I just, I consume on the internet. I now realize I'm not, I'm not an internet producer. I do not produce stuff online. I can produce stuff in real life. Okay. But I consume when I'm on the internet. I don't, I do not want to project out. I only want to take in when I'm online. Like it's just so much easier uh, it means so much more to interact with people face to face than it does online for me now. I don't know if that's a facet of growing up or like out of circumstance. There was a period when I was on, you know, she's the art of sure I've been brought up before where I did try to, you know, build a small following or have a group of friends. But I just, I, just, I don't know that I can make it back to that stage in my life with how many other things I have to balance. 
Like it takes so much effort to really make things work on the internet in this, you know, screaming catacomb of shit. Yeah, it's like a little noise and the rest yeah. of it. It's a lot easier when, you know, somebody looks you in the eyes or I am I am curious what specifically culturally ties people like you and me together that way. I mean, I have the same I have the same hang up. I, I do what I can to produce on the internet and it's um it's not much. I um I have a secluded uh area of the web where I post all of my things. I go on Twitter on a very regular basis and type things in and then delete them because I don't like them. Whether anybody else does or not, they don't get to find out. No one has had 243 followers on Twitter more times than I have because I go <laughs> I go in this little sinusoidal wave where I will attract someone and then lose them and be relieved at having done so mm. because I don't want someone paying attention to me who yep. I don't who will not benefit from the experience. Yeah. And uh, that's that's something people with large follower ca- cannot worry about. You cannot be worried about that. You would just go insane. Yeah. Cared about it. Uh I am more comfortable telling somebody to follow me on Instagram in person than if I have already talked to them on if if our interaction is exclusively been on the internet and I say engage with me more on the internet in this way, it makes me feel gross. Yeah. Um I don't know where that comes from. I don't know where that... You, you can't gauge somebody's full intent. You can't measure their inflection or their personality purely from either a one-way, say, like a YouTube interaction um, or even other posts on Instagram. Like, it... I've finally broken the threshold of people on the internet are real people. But for some reason, when I see them acting on the internet, I still just see internet anonymity i still see these like vague figures but if somebody says to me hey i'm on this instagram i already know who they are as a person i know i can read their intent of like oh i saw that you actually liked what i did instead of projecting it so heavily on somebody i don't like projecting my presence i like providing my presence like oh you already like my stuff here is where you can get more of that it's more of a facet of helping them as much as helping myself. But you have to see how how abstractly that doesn't make sense, right? Yeah, no, it's it's a silly brain thing and it's just a weird part of how I feel about stuff. Yeah, but we we both have this hang I up. I don't like marketing. <laughs> and for whatever reason in person it doesn't not marketing. Yeah. Like it does. And this is like I'm not I hope it's abundantly clear to anybody listening to this. I I do see this as a problem inherently because for this behavior to be different between in per like it, I'm not saying there's no distinction. I I very sincerely believe that text conversations are very very dangerous because people don't understand how to write. Um, and even I even I'm not that great at it. And but, even fewer know how to take things. You can, you can, if you are already in an attitude. Oh, no, can, this, this is where I yeah. was criticizing my own writing is that I, I do believe it is possible to write something in a way that it will be conveyed correctly. It's just really hard. Nobody's going to take the time for that. It's very, no, I, the, speed I of the do, internet doesn't allow I write, for that. I write a lot. I write a very, very lot and I'm still not good at it. Yeah. Like it's, it is a pursuit of mine to actually learn how to text in um, a fashion that will actually convey what I want to say. And um, 
It's incredible how many people don't even try to do that and are much better on the internet than I am, almost probably as a result of it. So pivoting that point back into the time at the fair, something I've learned this year uh, on my travels, which is now something I get to say, which I feel very good about. I know you're in the stories, man. This is like, this is where that bullshit happens. I was beating myself up and banging my head over the simple miscommunications that we would face every day. So many people, when saying we, they want to get a caricature, they see two chairs, the chair where I sit and the chair where they sit, and they say, where does my partner sit? I want both of us in the picture. And then I say, I draw you one at a time, adding on to the same page. I'll have her sitting first, and then you will switch places. And then they insist. But we want to be drawn together. As though I had fucking said nothing. <laughs> and I, I, I legitimately spent a lot of time trying to figure out what are the words I'm saying wrong? What more information do I need? What mental trick do I have to pull on them to get this information across immediately? Because it, it wastes a lot of time. And Oklahoma... <laughs> And North Carolina is where I felt like I wasted the most time. <laughs> it took a solid four explanations a couple times. And then at some point, they didn't go on logic. They went on faith. I, they just trusted that I knew what I was doing. Uh, there is an extent at which it doesn't matter what words you choose. People cannot understand. And I'm optimistic in this exact I was one. too, and I'm very sorry. I have bad news. <laughs> I'm going to cling. I think it's possible. I, My I, new job depends <laughs> on it. So. <laughs> I mean, God bless. That is, communication is the most difficult skill. Yeah. It played a very large role in me getting the job that I'm about to do. So, no, communicate. It, it turns out plenty of people don't understand how to talk or write or any of those kinds of things. And I'm okay bragging about this because I spend a shitload of my time thinking about it and practicing it. So that the the biggest thing I learned was the degree of time and effort I put towards things that other people literally spend zero time thinking about. Um, I, I needed this breadth of, human interaction to really gauge where I, I used to think of myself as like, I I try to hang out with people smarter than me, or at least who I perceive to be smarter than me by different metrics. Hair color. (laughs) (laughs) Eye color, height, um, all the superficials. But um, even people who I worked with and respect and by no means are like dumb people. um, It's, it, it is just a matter of where they've, put the effort of their minds or how much effort it takes to do things. Um, For some reason I'm under the, or was under the idea that other people are not too different from me in that things that they do or things that they think about, they feel compelled to do or think about. And I now fully understand that there is a, the the neurotyp, a neurotypical person has to initiate what they think about. And that's never been the case with me. Once information is given to me, 
I chew it like a cow chews cud. Like it's in my brain and I'm working on it and moving it around. I was upset for two hours over a lady who parked bad at a McDonald's parking lot who talked to me and then said I parked bad because I parked next to her. And I was having to compensate for how bad she parked. I thought about that for a solid two and a half hours. But I now understand when other people say, well, just don't think about it. That's because they're able to. Another person would have had to want to think about that bitch. To be fair to all the dumb people we're talking about. That they're not dumb. It's, it, it, it really is just a... I was using it colloquially. Okay. The, um, <laughs> no, um, it, people do say don't think about it because they do have to try. This is a, you don't have to be reminded of things that come naturally. There are certainly people who are much better at letting things go than either of the people in this room. And that's <laughs> part of the same reason why um, it, it, their, their zen is the result of a set of stressors that causes them to think the way they do, what, a way that feels very shallow, that seems unintrospective. It comes from generally a life with more noise in it than a suburban Floridian childhood will give you. Yeah. I, I think having grown up seeking stimulus, yeah. uh, d- I mean, it makes you more sensitive to interpreting that stimulus because you only have so much, um, you only have so much to work with. We are it, not city children. Yeah. Um, meeting people who have really hammered in what is worth dealing with. Um, has given me a new perspective on things. And it's also helped me to, to do that for myself, to, to choose what is important. I'm not super great at it, as that last anecdote is proof, <laughs> but um, it has let me at least set boundaries and at least the quick interactions. I deal with you know a group of people maybe 10 minutes at a time doing caricatures. And if I have a bad interaction, I'm way quicker to let at least those go, knowing that more interactions are soon to come. I don't get as hung up about individual bad interactions. How much of that stems from the literal physical reality that your next interaction is standing there in line? It helps out a lot. I can imagine it would. Like the the ability to actually just be able to refocus your attention seems like it would help with that practice. Yes, it it absolutely does. that might be a, a trick that I can kind of weave into bad circumstances. Um, but cause yeah, it's not, it's not so much dropping the thing that just happened as it is putting your full attention to the thing that is upcoming. And I think that's a really forward way to utilize thoughts that I haven't, I get so wrapped up in things that have occurred and then try to think that I can grow from them that I don't put as much effort into actually moving forward. I like to treat human beings like dogs. So this lesson works very well backwards from dogs. The, the way to keep dogs from barking is to distract them yeah. with something else. You can't reprimand them into not barking mm. because they don't understand what else to focus on when you simply punish them for the stimulus that is occurring, which is why it's, it's not that negative reinforcement doesn't work on a dog. And I'm using negative loosely and inaccurately in the psychological sense there, but um, the reason why positive reinforcement tends to work better is because you are 
focusing on a stimulus rather than the absence of one. Yeah. So when you give the dog some, or human or child or whatever, <laughs> whatever sentient creature, look, we're all animals. When you give a sentient creature something to direct its energy towards. Yeah. I was just using, the, the dog example is why I, it even occurred to me to ask that question because that is, that is a very popular strategy with animals that people have much more circuit-based control of. And in this case, um, when you're sitting down in a chair, you don't have, I mean, you have significant control and you're learning how much control you have over your environment, but you are sitting in a chair. Yeah. And you, you have to work with what is available. So, Yeah. At the beginning, if somebody had come up and done a dumb request or something that I don't do, um, I no longer will draw uh, a person who I am told is deceased. I do not do that in my job anymore. I've set a hard limit if, if you do not portray that information to me. If somebody comes up and says, here's a picture of my dad. He's not here. Can you add him in? I'll do that. How many requests do you have? Oh, uh, literally, you, you were saying. <laughs> I, yeah. thought you were, I thought you were saying, this person's dead. And give How many people give you pictures? A decent amount of people try to give pictures. Some of them are uh, just lazy and don't want to sit there the whole time and would rather entrust their $1,000 phone to a stranger so that they can keep walking around the fair um, than sit down for three Have minutes. Have you ever been given a caricature yes. to add? To, really? Yep. Um, that was actually one of the pictures I denied. A, I straight up, this situation was so stressful I had to walk away and I was not even the one involved. Watching it gave me enough anxiety to, the, <laughs> to where I needed to leave. A girl and her friend came up, uh, fairly drunk or high. Marijuana is legal in Massachusetts. Uh, medically, I think, at least. She came up and asked, can I... Can you draw me and my dead boyfriend? And I immediately went, no. Pointed to another person. He might be able to. She didn't have a picture of him. She had a picture of a caricature that they had had in the past that she had destroyed when they broke up. When he was in jail. During the caricature, which I don't know why he agreed to co basically copy another person's drawing. And the drawing was not very good to go off of. She then continues to talk about all the ways that he mistreated her, but, like, loved him despite of. Like, it was just the most intensely negative situation of a dude who was violent to a woman, uh, got arrested, and then had since passed, and then drawing off of someone else's not-as-good artwork. Like that culmination of things just is a hard limit from, I just had to leave. You got so much material to work with. It was unbearable. I couldn't be around that person. Um, but, but the real reason I don't draw people who've um, passed on is at SeaWorld, I had done one of an old couple and mid-drawing the man just burst into tears. And I had never had that happen before. I had never had a full-grown person start weeping openly in front of me while drawing a cartoon. <laughs> okay. Um, I was encouraged to just keep going. Um, and not going to lie, I fucking killed it. That drawing was pretty good. Yeah. I did a pretty good one. And uh, they all give me hugs. And at the end, the last girl that I hug, I think it was the youngest daughter or maybe a counselor, I don't know her relation to them, whispers in my ear, Thank you so much. He only has six months. We're expecting him to pass in March. 
Cool. At, yeah. No, that emotional weight of this this important part of this guy's final few months on Earth. Like, I can't I can't handle being that important. I guess. Sure. They, I can do that. They just didn't need to tell me because then I s- cried for a half hour. Yeah. Well, and the, it's just contextually that's messed up. So it does. It, it, yeah. It, if it was possible for you to like prepare for that in some capacity. I, you wouldn't, maybe you wouldn't have, but you were at least given the option. Yeah. <laughs> it's like to spring that at the end's a little strange. To spring it at the beginning is just as bad. This is what happened to me at my last fair. Uh, a girl comes up to me. You can at least say no. Yes, I did. Yeah. Um, which I now do because I don't want another situation like that. I can't handle that emotional burden, especially when it's a cartoon drawing. I... If if the, if it is truly a way for them to cope or for it to feel like, hey, we're having a good time back at the fair, like these are not necessarily respectful depictions of the deceased. <laughs> yeah. I am I am drawing people goofy. Yeah. Um, the, there was a guy who before I set this hard rule, I drew him and his friend, and his friend had a bit of a pursed look to his lips in the picture that he gave me. And somebody behind me commented, it looks like they're kissing each, like they're kissy at each other. And I saw the dude get visibly uncomfortable and I could tell he didn't want to buy the drawing anymore. It's a cartoon drawing. And now I've drawn your dead friend being kissy and get like, I shouldn't be accountable for this. This is a heavy (laughs) emotion being applied to a, a, one, we're at the fair. I was going to say, we're in the wrong environment. This is a jovial time. I even try to like not get too bummery about like my financial status or like, I I try not to do bummers at the fair. I try not to get political or nothing. Like we're having, supposed to be having a good time. It gets a real downer when, I mean, I don't want to discourage people from having it. If it's something you really have, I just don't want to do it. Um, Or at least don't bring it up. Say they're not here. It's accurate without the emotional weight. Um, Is there a guy on your staff that you point to for those situations? Any manager. <laughs> okay. That's, that's their fucking d- okay. their job now. I meant like another caricature artist who will yeah, take the, all comers. The, the managers are character artists. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, they do it. That's they right. You're, yeah, you're, we all do them. Yeah, your whole organization is. That was in take one when yeah. we talked about the logistics of this. Ain't, no, ain't nobody not drawn. Yeah. If you're at that stand, you're drawn. Um, but yeah, no, at the last fair I was at, a girl comes up to me, very somber, and whispers to me that she has less than a year to live, and that she hasn't told the pic- person she's getting the picture with, and they get one every year, and she really wants this one to be special. Like, holy fuck, you're setting such an expectation for my drawing! <laughs> How's the waveform on that one looking? Yeah, it's fine. Okay. I made sure to back up. Like, that is too much for me. My hands were shaking. I can't draw you anymore. Go to somebody else and don't tell them that. And they'll do a great drawing and they'll have you have a great time. What is the onus on... I mean, it is just the nature of a graphical depiction being proffered to you by another person. I'm I'm trying to piece together why someone would bother to tell you that. Um, and it is, there's, there's something specifically special about another person intervening in, in your own, in, in your own, I, I want a synonym for depiction there, but that's the right word. So we'll go with that. There's a weight to what you do. Um, 
Because people can take what you do very personally. Yeah. In fact, it is an inc- it, it, people. It is a, some people do not take well to it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, the the nature of caricature. Caricature has a negative connotation. Yeah. No. The, I mean, uh, a well earned one sometimes. There, it has been misused in the past. <laughs> Um, it can, depending on the intent of the person, it can be taken as a legitimate jab or a playful, you know, expression of how little we should take ourselves seriously. Like uh, we should loosen up. Whereas others, they know that that person can't loosen up and dig a little deeper to, to get to them. That's why political figures are always up for it. Yeah. They they always need to be humbled in this way of you are not. You, you are but a man. I mean, caricature is sort of elementally objectifying. It is about the accentuation of particular features of the face. Yeah. I mean, that's, that, that's how it works. So be them good or bad. Some people will focus in on the bad as a jab. Other people just focus in on what's there. Like, I got a long neck. Yeah. I got big lips. They're, they're there on every, consistent. But that, trends. but that also, that, that requires you to not be upset about those features of your face. I mean, to call any particular feature that you would accentuate neutral is, that's a rather subjective thing. I yeah. mean, yeah. And especially I, because if you have to live with it, which you probably do, owing to it being your face or neck, yeah. um, if you don't make peace with it, um, now's not the time while you're getting yourself drawn. <laughs> yeah. And, and I've... I've had several people come up to me and say, don't make it very cartoony. And not in a way of like, don't depict us silly. People legitimately do not like a cartoon style all the time, yeah. which other character artists will turn down. There are other um, there are other groups that say, hey, if you don't want to be drawn like a cartoon, don't come here. I've kind of bent my, my uh, integrity, I guess. <laughs> I do a little bit more portraity. I do it pretty fast, and people are pretty happy with it. I don't really exaggerate too much unless I'll, I'll, I'll ask. Um, I try to gauge each guest best I can to see what they actually want out of it. I've had people where I'm like, hey, do you mind if I go crazy on this one? Because the person has a fun face to exaggerate. And they'll tell me, no, we don't want cartoons. They just want a bad portrait kind of fast. <laughs> like, And hey, if that's what they want, I'll give it to them. But... If they want to do a fun one, I'll let them know I want to do a fun one. And I've had people really lean into it. I've had some really positive guest experiences where they're excited to see a new and it, it it's something you can't get on your phone. Like they have the bitmoji or filters and people always want to see themselves in a new fun way and caricature is the probably the best way to do that. There's no algorithm yet that can generate a new exciting take on a face. The same person can draw you different back to back. They can have a page of how different you can look. And that's very exciting because people get tired of the mundane. It's the reason you change your look at all. Um, there, There is a lot of positive things to be taken out of a caricature. And um, that being applied to like somebody who's not fully in it, somebody being coerced into doing it. Uh, there was a couple who came up to me, and the husband was super about it. The wife, I told her I'd do the shorter person first normally, just 
we have to give a structure for these people or else they'll fight all day. Yeah. Some people just need to be told what to do. Um, I was going to draw ladies first, you know, calm the place, ladies first. And she goes, okay, draw me with lots of makeup. I'm really self-conscious. So I just, this probably isn't for you then. And she was surprised. Like, what? Like, yeah, no, if, if you don't feel confident about how you look, this might not be for you. And she was being coerced by her husband to do it. They wound up not getting it, but I had a line. <laughs> so I, I love the idea that someone would try to mask how they look in a drawing by adding makeup to the drawing. Yeah. That's an amazing failure to understand how drawing works. Nobody understands how drawing works. That's the other <laughs> thing I've learned this year. That's a staggering lack of perspective. The fact that I've had to give an example of how I draw a person one at a time, it's staggering. <laughs> I've had people go, well, how are you going to fit us both on the same page if you draw us one at a time? And I'll go, Imagine these circles represent each of you, and then I draw one circle on the page, and then I draw a second circle. Like, you can only draw one thing at a time. I'm not a, I'm not a, 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 a photograph machine. What do they call those? <laughs> Cameras. A, a photographist. A photographer. Yeah. A photographist. It, you can a only draw. You can only draw one thing at a time, <laughs> and I'm already partially making up your face. I can add. I can. I can make stuff up, guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, just convince them that's not what they want after yeah. all no the, the, the degree to which people truly don't understand how drawing works like fundamentally um, also the degree to which they don't get my really good jokes because um, <laughs> people will come up and say well we want to be done at the same time and I'll go yeah I only do one at a time I'm not good with this hand yet and I'll wave my left hand that only hits like 30% of the time like, a lot of people don't get that I'm doing a joke there. Yeah, that's... that's I, 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 can, I can see why that would fall flat in the busyness of... Yeah, it's... I mean, part of it is they're, they're in recreational mode, right? You, you turn your brain off a little extra. I, I don't think as hard when I'm, you know, goofing around. I think I, yeah, I, I, think I can forgive yeah. that particular gaffe. If they argue with me, then you're committing thought to being wrong. So usually if somebody's like lackadaisically like, oh, we're just kind of floating around the fair, I'll give a little more leeway. I won't stress out about it. If somebody argues with me and like takes time and effort to explain why I'm wrong about a thing that I'm an expert in, then I'll get a little, I mean, usually I'll just smile and wave them into the chair and try to get them to stop trying, stop talking and start getting drawn as soon as possible. Has anyone ever called your bluff and made you draw with both hands? Um, no. Would think, you do it? If somebody dared me. Yeah, yo, we, you, we get some dares sometimes. And if somebody like, says, yo, my girlfriend's dead, draw her. Nope. Yep, there you go. Absolutely not. Yep. Um, Challenge failed. Uh, it'll be a lot of like, I bet I draw better than you. And if we're not busy, we'll let you. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't got nothing going on. Make my day. Yeah. Um, And then we'll draw them back at the same time and they do not get the drawing but we have a good laugh and we share an experience together and have you ever been shown up uh no yeah people uh, are m most people can't draw very good i i mean that's the, the, undoubtedly that's true i've just no one's actually no good person 
No, if you're a good artist, you're humble and not a piece of shit walking around being like, I'm better than these fucks. Like, I do, <laughs> I don't know. There's something about that that I kind of like. I would never walk up to another caricature booth. Traveling even one where asshole. I, even if I did not think they were very good, there's like a degree of solidarity that I have of them being a professional artist of like, don't fucking shit on somebody like that. Like, there's nothing to gain there. Other than the hilarity of just being an asshole that goes around affairs. Like, I can do better than that guy. And, and then carry that with you wherever you... Like, no. Absolutely. No. Bad. What? It's, it's the bass and SpongeBob. Bubble just goes bass? around. There you go. I, yeah, no, fuck that. Be that guy. Doesn't he get beat up at the end or whatever? Of course. Yeah, fuck that. It's a children's show. Yeah. The real Bubble Bass... Is a millionaire. Yeah, He's got shit. all the Instagram followers. Rides in a private plane. Hangs killed out. Epstein. Hangs out with Epstein. Yeah. <laughs> that Very, was, we that was a going, wavelength right there. Yeah, we were going for a similar joke there. Uh, is there anything else we want to cover before we close this thing out? Yeah, just mostly me griping about work, but it has been an overall uh, positive experience. I feel you're. I mean, you're off until the end of the year. Yeah, I uh, I am financially stable. Although I am artistically kind of burnt. Uh, I've been trying to push myself to just do little projects. It's been a while since I've done a project for me. Um, and I'm having a bit of trouble. Uh, you know, I've basically been working out all year. And now I'm trying to uh, flex for myself. And I'm having a bit of struggle. But I'm trying. So that's... Wait, is that necessary? Because I feel like... I think it'll ultimately make me happier. Just because something is difficult doesn't mean it's bad oh no no i i mean specifically attempting to flex in your off time maybe not flex is the right word i'm 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 just trying to enjoy what i do for me i'm not trying to impress anyone which has been all year i've i've been drawing in such a way to specifically try to impress that person in front of me yeah um you've been doing a professional yeah as opposed to amateurishly uh i've been professional for a while well, no, I, I but, need to go back to being amateurish. Well, I, I need no, to do that's, some amateurish that's what shit. Yeah. Drawing for yourself is amateurish. That's, yeah. that's what it Inher is. Yeah, yeah. Inherently. Um, sculpting, uh, especially. I haven't gotten to do that's that. That's right, because you went over to Reynolds. I went to Reynolds. Uh, plugging my pluggables. Reynolds <laughs> Advanced Materials. There are, I think, eight locations in the U.S. We get a kickback of 0% when you go. So uh, but there's, there's a lady named Joy there, and she's real, real nice, and she'll help you get the materials you need for yeah. any... Are, are you making... A, a giant uh, tiki statue. She she'll help you out. Are you making uh, little figurine toys? She'll, she got you there too. I don't know if you can make sex toys out of the stuff they got there. Probably you absolutely can, and it will be no cheaper than just buying it online, which w is sure. incredible to believe. But silicone, quite it's, expensive. Yeah, it's expensive no matter. There's what, a reason folks. it costs. It, that's not markup. Yeah, it just costs that much. Yeah, there's not a whole lot of margin on those things. Yeah. Yeah, any anything that somebody had to to craft out of expensive chemicals, there are very minimal margins, guys. Yeah, it's it very specifically. It's all volume. Very specifically, they have to go volume. Uh, hypoallergenic silicone is quite expensive. Oh yeah, I don't know how you'd even do that. Well, they they sell it. The silicone that's designed to touch your skin. Oh yeah, yeah. true. Like they yeah. make sex toys out of it. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay, so they, I don't know if they sell that there. They might. They do, they do. They do. Anyway, you know, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we'll, we'll fool around, get some sculptorados going. Probably, yeah. I I 
I like doing that kind of nonsense too. So, yeah. Uh, words to me in the past. Um, stir things up. Doesn't hurt to stir things up. Do it smart. Um, anybody who tells you like quit your job and move across to Australia, like uh, Matt can attest, those aren't always great moves. I was I was I was gonna not bring <laughs> Matt up since it, that was too obvious, but yeah. Uh, yeah, we are part timers no, we, around. We here. had that same talk on the the, the daydreaming the daydream one. No. Yeah, no slow, slow, sensible moves look, towards your goals. Look, if Life backlog a has a slogan and it doesn't, but there's like fifty of them by now. It's fucking part-time all right everything part-time until you yeah can, yeah come on like it, it, if you want to slam the accelerator to some point make absolutely certain that you're not about to drop um out of a good thing you don't need to abandon like even in your case you're going and traveling and like there was an arrangement that you had money you had a relationship that was i would assume stable enough out of the gate um, and an, under, an understanding of what you were undertaking. Like yeah. you had done caricatures before. You hadn't necessarily been on the road, but that, that was, uh, I had done, I had done two out of state caricature gigs before. So even that part so, yeah. you were familiar with, just not in a long-term capacity. Yeah. I, I knew that I could do that. Yeah. I just didn't feel confident about it in the way I was at the time. You warmed up. Yeah. I warmed up. Yeah. Um, if if life is a bunch of phases and life goes through phases, you should phase between them as well, not do hard cutoffs. Yeah, don't. Those are episodes. Those are chapters. Um, life is phases, not chapters. Um, or I don't know if it's like a really well written book. Maybe they transition real good. Basic basically, don't don't do hard pivotal choices unless life thrust that upon you yeah don't make those for yourself life doing it to you is usually a shit deal <laughs> if you're able to transition do it the best you can yeah. uh always play things smart rather than you know doing it too fast and loose play dumb play dumb so good yeah don't don't play your life dumb yeah i don't know or i mean maybe that works i've never tried shit. it before i'm the most risk averse person i know so that's um I can't really speak to that, but it's worked for me so far. I feel like I feel like that strategy's been okay. Uh, I mean, risks are not as long as you're working towards some degree of happiness, as long or at as, least recognizing what's making you unhappy and moving away from that. I, the key with risk is to understand the risk you're taking. Like, yes. I, I call myself risk averse. That doesn't mean I don't take risks. It means that I measure them before I take them. So that Which I, I didn't do with financial loan. That's well, that's <laughs> and we, we tried to we, we tried to work that into your head before you went to SCAD. And I don't want to beat that horse because it's been beaten before. But like it's it's one of those things that you just you have to you you have to think about what the risks are before because generally speaking, there are options. There are almost always more things you can do than the one thing you're trying to do. And one of them is more risk averse than the other. And I understand that culturally what I'm saying is a bitch move. Bitch moves are awesome. Um, they're very safe. They're very comfortable. <laughs> they don't screw you over very often um, by necessity. But you do have to make the calculus. You have to actually think about it and you have to actually run the model. You have to know what you want and measure if that's working towards what you want. 
And you can do that by prototyping. You can do that by doing facsimiles of the thing, by doing bits of the thing. For example, if you, if you want to go into a, um, or if you want to travel around the country in an RV and do caricatures, might I suggest uh, traveling, doing caricatures, and providing yourself with enough stability that if that flubs, it doesn't kill you. Yeah. These are all things you can do to mitigate the risk of this risky activity. Like this is a, these are all options. Yeah. And thankfully, it seems to have very, very much worked out in your favor. Yeah. I can see me doing this for uh, several more years. Um, I just need to figure out how to really build my time outside of it. I feel like I didn't fully ut utilize that, but I was also real fucking tired. It, well, you, you've got time to do that. Yeah. You had to nail down the thing before you could actually do that. Yeah, because... I shouldn't beat myself up over not getting things in on the margins because we work 13 hour days, 10 days in a row. <laughs> and you weren't used to doing that. You were Nobody acclimating. Be. <laughs> I mean, you were acclimating yourself to that schedule. You don't, you, you will be better at it this year than you were last year. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I'm very excited for the upcoming year. Yeah. This is the first year that I've been kind of excited about the degree to which I will have improved at my job. Um, I don't, cool. I don't think I could say that in any other job. There's, there's no, there's no job where I've gone in the next, I don't know, week or that. That's the other thing. This this job helps um, compartmentalize each event so well. Like I can I can look back on a fair and go, how was that whole experience? And then kind of take that in and then bring that to the next fair. Um, it, it's kind of like having I guess like a monthly review of yourself at work and not seeing a big or a noticeable change happen within each of those feels like you're kind of slogging along and nothing's really happening. I felt like things were improving or changing every time I went to work. Yeah. Uh, every day was new. Every week was new. Every place was new. Uh, next year I'll be going back to the same places, but they very much won't be the same people. Um, and if they are, that's its own new exciting thing. I've never <laughs> drawn them twice. Um, I think I think that type of freshness is what's keeping me a bit more focused. Um, even if I'm going back to the same places, I can spend my time there differently. I went to Boston when I was in Massachusetts. I'll check out Salem next time. Like you know, there's there's still a lot to explore and grow. Um, and I luckily having a job that lets you travel with a little bit of free time to actually soak that stuff in. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm working vacations into my weekends, basically. Every every weekend is a vacation for me in a way. Um, and then my time off is, you know, back time with friends and loved ones. Like that's great. Yeah. Um, the balance is <laughs> the weight of it's weird, but um, I've enjoyed the experience overall. It's it's a dynamic job, which I think is something that keeps me uh, out of despair. Yeah. No, I'm glad you finally found a job you like. Yeah. It's been a while. It's been the whole time. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, it's... Uh, find it, finding a job that works for you is real important. And now that I'm not working... I haven't not worked this long since starting a career. I've never had two months of, you're fine. Um, and now I get to figure out what that looks like, which has been good. Well, hopefully that continues for at least another six months.
it all comes crashing and burning down. Cause... No, I'm expecting to stick with this for at least three more years. No, no, no. no, no. I, I, I would hope so. Um, that's my other boundary. I've been, I took off sad music from my playlists. Um, I tell people when they say things that I just don't want to hear. <laughs> um, whenever somebody makes a negative, like, my wife kind of joke, I just tell them, oh, dude, that sucks. Yeah, you should love the person you're with. Like, I'm, I'm tired of hearing that negative stuff. Yeah. Um, there was a, we keep almost ending this. Uh, that's there, podcasting, baby. Yeah. That's, that's it right there. That's how every 30-minute podcast becomes a two-hour podcast. That's Giant Bomb, baby. <laughs> that's every, every yeah. podcast is like that. Um, There's a kid who uh, wasn't paying full attention to me drawing him, as kids tend to do. And the dad is behind me being like, oh, look at me, I'm being retarded. And without even looking up or away from my drawing, I go, oh, don't like that. <laughs> oh, what do you mean? That word. He immediately changed it. Oh, look at daddy being silly. He knew exactly what I fucking meant. He knew the thing that he did wrong. But I wasn't biting his head off. I was just remarking, I don't like that. And people, people want to be liked. Yeah. I, I wasn't saying, I wasn't chastising him. I was just expressing how I felt about it. I don't know how to actually broach that as a topic. I've tried to write about it before, but and, and this has actually come up relatively recently. People don't actually have that much of a problem with you telling them that you don't like either the way they behave or even for that matter them because the structure of like the way society is built right now interpersonally, they don't, they don't have a template for actually being angry at you for doing that. If somebody says, I don't like you, you would you immediately associate that they hate you. I've told people I don't like them, but I think they're all right people. Like I don't I don't seek you out. Like there's a null feeling. Like I don't Yeah, okay. like your your automatic perception of how they will take that is almost certainly completely wrong. Yeah. It's very it's very weird. Like I don't and the disconnect is it it's stark. Cause I do I do this all the time because I'm like half autistic, so I I had to learn how to not do that. And then it occurred to me that that was a mistake because that directness, people seem to actually appreciate that in such a way that they will not retaliate. Yeah, it's, uh, I think if-, if it, it kills the tension. And, it, and, it's, and it's more reflective on yourself rather than an attack on them. People don't like being attacked, but hey, that thing you said, I don't like that. Um, if they get defensive, that's more of an issue with them. And you, you can let it drop because the ball is in your court. You, you've been playing like, hey, I don't, I'm, I'm in the realm of how I feel. So however you feel is how you feel. Like, yeah. Well, and it's in that particular, dif, uh, that particular case, um, it is, it, it is about making it more, it's the, it's not you, it's me. It's, yeah. it's not, you can't say that. It's, I don't want you to say that. Yeah. So personalizes yeah. it um there is one where i actually uh have been told not to do it because it is vindictive uh, <laughs> a lot of people will come up and see our sign that says black and white face 10 or however many dollars i think i can see where this is going and they see black face and then think i'm gonna be a clever comedian also if you're trying to be funny at us we're way funnier than the average person like we deal with heckling and drawing funny pictures we're very funny people uh, do not try to be funny back at us. You will fail. Most of the time. So at least five times I've heard somebody remarking on some degree of a blackface joke. 
And after the fourth one, I just turn to people and go, boom. <laughs> just complete. None of us react. We usually just give them a dead stare and look away. Like, but that wasn't socially chastising enough. Um, so I throw a boo in. Uh, but that is a little vindictive. Yeah. But also kind of warranted. Like, if you don't, I've also been super tempted to get even deeper in the roots and be like, well, why, well, why do you mention that? Having somebody have to explain why blackface isn't offensive is a real fun puddle of mud to watch somebody struggle in. Yeah, I can see that not going well, though. Because I have the knowledge as to why blackface is offensive at the ready, so I'm, I'm super excited to hear what you have to say. <laughs> Yeah, I can see that backfiring. Yeah, no, I, I don't. I, that that seems a little risky in I've, a commercial environment. I've, that's another boundary I've learned. I've been trying to pick which battles to fight. <laughs> um, that one's not always worth it all the time, especially after you've shaved your head and are in North Carolina. And then the podcast was over.